Hi, John Billingsley, Phil Flux from Star Trek Enterprise, standing in front of the iconic Paramount Studios to announce a wonderful streaming telethon, streaming live, YouTube and Facebook, six hours of wonderful, engaging panels with 60-plus Star Trek luminaries from all the shows, including the animated ones, directors, producers, showrunners, behind-the-scenes talent, bursting at the seams. We will be with folks who have worked here for the last umpteen years. This is an opportunity for us to raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We're an organization that helps people who are down on their luck. We provide a hot, nourishing meal to all comers seven nights a week. We also share food and resources with multiple not-for-profits all through our city. Almost a hundred other not-for-profits doing extraordinary work with their clients. We help provide their meal programs to augment and buttress their services. January 15, drop in, drop out. There'll be fun panels, there'll be giveaways, there'll be antics, there'll be theatrics, there'll be serious conversation. You'll have a great time. Tell your friends, share it on social media. Facebook, YouTube, live stream, January 15th, Star Trek, Paramount, me, car coming, don't get killed, getting honked at, must leave. Find out more at trektalks.net. Coconut! I'm Cleveland Booker, son of Quajon. I stand here as what my people would call Malaisi, speaker for the dead. My planet's lost. My family. Feel the final moments every day. I pray none of you ever have to experience that kind of pain. And I want to do whatever it takes to ensure you don't. Communication and diplomacy has been the way of the Federation for centuries. I too value those things in normal times. But these are not normal times. Irreparable harm has already been done. We need to defend ourselves. I recognize using Targa's weapon carries risk, but so does not using it. Don't wait until the people you love are taken from you before you act. You don't want that on your conscience. Trust me. On behalf of all who have been lost, please, end this now. Welcome to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Johnson, and with me is my co-host, Mike Thurlow. Mike, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a drum, <laughs> it was like uh, a an drum entry like that. Fanfare. I don't know. It was like it was wow. Like, it was uh, you know, very of the moment. Um, you know, it was, it was very uns- of the moment. Unscripted, unscripted. <laughs> Wow, to be ushered into the podcast with fanfare. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I am good. Yeah. I am good. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm tired and I'm old. Now I'm officially old. 
because I'm 40 now. Now you're a fish. You're 40, and I'm officially old. Oh man. Yeah, and you're like yeah. You celebrated 40. I'll take being back 40 uh, if I could be in my present moment in life. Um, how was your birthday? It was good. Um, it was obviously a more intimate affair this year because we couldn't have like 25 people. So it was just um, a few friends and me. But it was nice. It was like, it was actually nice. It wasn't overwhelming because usually my birthday is overwhelming and it's tiring and exhausting. This is actually fun. We actually got to talk, catch up. It was nice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So- having been to your birthday party two years ago, uh, right after we first met, uh, that was very overwhelming. Your, <laughs> you 20, overwhelming. your 20 closest friends and, and me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, well, good. That's, that's important. And, and then we, then you and I and Dennis ushered in the new year just a few days before. Correct. Well, um, you may or may not have had COVID it is unclear. It's like <laughs> results are hazy. <laughs> the crystal well, yeah, ball is very hazy. You know, uh, talk about a shocking day. Yeah. Shocking moment in recent life. Uh, yeah. a lot get- happened over the last two weeks, huh? Now that we're catching up. Yeah, exactly. I told you there was a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah, so I got a positive COVID test. Um, as I was preparing to, to go visit family for after the holiday and spend a few days up with them. And so I was testing every day because I didn't know when the results were going to come back and I wanted to just stay on top of it mm-hmm. day to day. And uh, so my first test came back positive and it did utterly, utterly changed my life. Um, Change your for, life, goodness. For five days. Uh-huh. I mean, I, being isolated and having to report that to work and right. having all of that, all the notifications go out about it. Um, but uh, so, uh, yes, through through Christmas night, I was po- quote unquote positive. And then Christmas night, I got a second test back. So mm-hmm. I tested day. Let's just say day one, I tested. I got a positive result. I had gone the second day because I didn't know when these results were going to be. And I was just going to keep up with it. Second result on Chris came back on day, the second test I took came back on Christmas night and said I was negative. Right. So then, you know, you're like, what, what is this all about? Which is what is right. Correct. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. And, and fortunately Dennis had been testing every day uh, at work. So he had been negative all along. And, um, but we took my being positive seriously. And um, so then on Monday, two days after Christmas, I walked over and okay, got and a- you guys were like socially distancing in your apartment. Yes, we were socially distancing from the moment I found out that I was positive because he also had to tell his work. So then that kicked in protocols for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was very, um, yeah, so isolating by myself while well, in one part of the apartment. Well, Dennis and Hamish were in the other part of the apartment. Well, Hamish uh, came to see you. <laughs> yes, yes. Hamish traveled between the two. But, you know, we did some research and, you know, dogs can get COVID too. So, you know. Oh, I didn't realize dogs could. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it was just really crazy. And then Christmas night, I got the second results and they said negative and we we're like, what the heck? But we continued the protocol of staying isolated. And, um, then Monday I went and first thing and got a COVID, a t- another test. And then Tuesday morning it came back negative. And so we were pretty confident at that point that I was negative and right. had always been negative And that the first result was some sort positive. of a false positive. So which is rare, but it happens. Yeah. You know, I am not, not to cast aspersion or anything like this, but the, the first place that I got the test. So all three of these are from the same company. So it's not, but different mm-hmm. sites, um, not to cast aspersions on the first site that I went to, but it was, um, you know, I, it was near Fordham university. So, you know, right. I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, either hum, true human error or someone knew that what their friends, what one of their friends was positive or was possibly positive and needed a negative test to go home. And they just chanced it with my test. I don't know. What? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, you know, you, you make up stories, right? We always are making up stories. So I don't know someone, you know, or it was a mess up at the lab who knows, but anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I had about six days of isolation uh, right. and, um, and and I was having like it was, cold a, it was a dark time. It was a dark time. It was a dark time. Yes. Well, you also go. like achy, right? You were like kind of achy. And then afterwards, I was like, is it just because of old age? <laughs> right, because of old age. Is it really? I mean, old age? you know, you know, I think. You know, a lot of lot of people are getting colds this time of year. So I thought I was, you know, it's probably cold. I mean, New York. Uh, so for those of you who are not in New York, we have hot, a lot of hot water heat that is pi- pumped through pipes. And that's how we get heat in, in these old buildings. And um, they really tend to, when they're going they're you know, you don't necessarily have complete control over how much they're going and so they tend to dry out my sinuses and so i've um i felt i did feel not great so i you know i kind of bought into the fact that i must be positive and, right um so that yeah so but thankfully but it was i was not fake and, news fake news it was all fake news yes fake so news. so yeah so that was the exciting part and then you know after i got the second exciting. negative test Exactly. That was exciting. Exciting. Uh huh. Yeah, I went to. We went out to dinner with you, Dennis and I, and then we made yeah. plans to hang out, hang out on Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Eve on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. And, yes, we did. And uh, there we go. Yeah. But, uh, over over half of my time off was spent in isolation. I know that's uh, sad. Yeah. So, sad, but. You know. So I have not yet, you know, I haven't gone to the movies. I, you know, the only movie I really want to see right now is Spider-Man. Spider-Man but, I want to see it. Um, I have avoided spoilers, surprisingly. Oh, yeah. I've avoided spoilers, too. I just haven't, I haven't come up Which with Which I think is, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, everyone was talking, well, how long should we? So I've just kind of scrolled anything Spider-Man. I've just kind of scrolled by in my scrolling um, or ignored um nor anything because i really didn't yeah. you know i don't know too much about the movie but i guess there's some shocking or you know spoilery type things that happen so well i will say uh, one day eventually yes 
but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, life here. And now we're back to work, getting the ground running in 2022. And uh, and now we don't have any discovery for like five weeks. I know it's kind of annoying, actually. It's very annoying because uh, what we found out, it, we found out like basically like a week the and a half before. ago or something. Or two, at this point, we found out two weeks ago. It was after episode six. Six. And then they announced, hey, episode seven is going to be the final one before mid-season break. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Where did this blue. come from? Yeah. And honestly, you know, ha- af- after having watched episode seven, which we will talk about in a moment, it's not exactly like cliffhanger, you know, material. Like, the thing is, like, season one of Discovery, we got a mid-season break. Right. Recall right after, and that episode is one of my favorite episodes of Discovery. Like that was when they blew up the the Klingon sarcophagus ship. If you recall, do you remember? The, I'm, they, I'm, they I'm do, trying to recall. That was when I had to do the 133 jumps. Oh right, right, right. Yes, it's yes. Very intense. There's yes. a lot going on. Stamets like trying to hang on. Like you know, um, Michael had to like you know, distract the Klingons and then they jumped right. into the mirror universe. And then, right, yes. And that was a cliffhanger. That was a cliffhanger, yeah. And that was actually a good cliffhanger. The the end result of ellipses, but to connect was not really <laughs> cliffhanger worthy in my mind. I'm like, oh, uh-oh, book's gone. Womp womp. Right. Like, I'm like, all right, I'll see you in February. <laughs> like, whatever, fuckers. Like, so I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. I feel like this yeah. is they needed they, they need to buy time. Picard's probably gonna be delayed. Like, they don't want to for whatever reason have two shows running concurrently. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I have no Listen. idea. What no, I think I, you know, I think they're they're using Prodigy obviously as a as a gap filler. As a filler, yeah, it's a filler. Yeah. Uh, but they also why they didn't uh, why I think they didn't run the first ten episodes of Prodigy all in a row was because they had promised Discovery. They're sort of they're they're doing this November ish, like late October November ish launch of Discovery every year. Which I don't know if they'll be able to do it this year. Maybe they won't even have to because of the way that this is all panning out with shows. But, um, but they they had promised Discovery coming back in twenty twenty one, and so I think that that's that's part of the driving force. And then they they had Prodigy ready to go. They could fill it in, and now there must be some other delays between Picard and Strange New Worlds. Or they're realizing that they can't really get back and start filming season seven, uh, five, sorry, not seven, season five of Discovery and get that out in 2022. So uh, I think that that's, who knows? That's, that's, you know, again, you know, I can fill in the details in my head. I have a lot of great. I don't really understand, like, they're, you know, the rationale behind, I just think that they're terrible at, like, announcements communication and scheduling like they're they're talking about all these things they are you're right yeah you know because if they the thing is if it's a post-production issue like that's planable like you can see you can you can tell right it's you have very specific resources and bandwidth that you're allocating to a project 
So, you know, like, you know, we have time, we have production timelines that work, you know, for projects because you can figure out like, sure. oh, these are our targets. These are the resources we have available. This is what we can do. So they must have known before if there are going to be post-production delays, they must know in advance that there are going to be those problems. So, yeah. hey, why don't you let us know we're going to have a mid-season break weeks in advance versus, hey, <laughs> like right before the mid-season hey, break. Tomorrow, hey, tomorrow's episode is going to be the last one for six weeks. You yeah, know? it's just kind of like silly. So whatever. It's- yeah, I mean, this is sort of the theme of Paramount. Plus, you know, this is uh, unfortunate. You know, we've uh, we've both been on the soapbox about this. I certainly have been on the soapbox about this. Uh, they are really horrible about communication. And uh, this is one another instance of them doing that. And no, you know, I, I think what I would really like to see is when these things happen, honestly, the executive producer I think that this is these times when these things happen. I think this is a time for when you you get Alex Kurtzman on the line or you do an iPhone interview with him or whatever. But whatever you do, you get the executive producer of all of Star Trek on the line and have him talk to fans and tell them what's going on and just be transparent and honest about it. Right. And- I think that would go a long way. And uh, this is something they never do. They, I mean, how? I mean, I'm I'm in nonprofit, and I came up with that idea. I mean, seriously, why can't some somebody in the executive branch of Paramount Pictures slash whatever Viacom slash? It's just ridiculous. I, it's like they have a bunch of a holes running that joint. Like they seriously, like there are. It's an embarrassment. It's embarrassment. It is. it is an embarrassment. It's totally an embarrassment. And and obviously our international fans of Star Trek are are completely uh, victims of this as well when they weren't going to launch Discovery Season 4 for months and months and months because yes. they were waiting for the rollout of Paramount Plus internationally. They just... They're dumb. They're just dumb. Whatever. They are it's dumb. fine. It's fine. They are done. They it are is what it is. They are uh, run by a bunch of idiots. Yeah, we have it's... Prodigy to watch this week. It's fine. Right. And then, you know, I guess, you know, yes, we have two. So we were off last week. And we so we have two episodes of Discovery to talk about today. Right. And then probably, you know, maybe next week we can talk about Coda uh, with Prodigy because sure. we'll, we'll have a very short Prodigy episode to watch and talk about and... um we'll need something else to talk about. Yeah. But speaking of Coda really quick, I do want to suggest, I, I've already suggested this to you, but I really want to suggest to our listeners that they should really check out, you know, Coda is, is, is very good and enjoyable and, but it's complex. But if you want a sort of like episodic book to read that you can just jump into and enjoy and it's mid Deep Space Nine season five, I want to say. Like it's after Way of the Warrior. I think it's okay. after Way. Um, takes place out way after Way of the Warrior, and it focuses on Jadzia Dax and uh, Kira's got a big place in it, and then uh, Worf and Bashir. Uh, it's a really great book, and it's a standalone book on Deep Space Nine, and uh, really highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so it's called Revenant. It just came out in December and uh, in late December. Well, before Christmas, 
Okay. And and I highly recommend it. So, you know, if you're looking for some filler Star Trek that's new, uh, definitely check that out. Because, again, here's another thing. We don't have any books to, any no new Star Trek books until May, I want to say. Which is um, really. I kind of miss those one-off Star Trek books. I mean, some of the best Star Trek books I've read have been these, like, one-off books. Yeah. So it's been a yeah. while. I would count this as uh, as one of them, and uh, it's by an author that I didn't know, and uh, I'm really curious how he kind of. I mean, he has a really popular trilogy, a space uh, sci-fi trilogy that I can't think of the name of, but uh, his name's Alex White, I want to say, mm-hmm. and uh, so he wrote this standalone. So new, new to Star Trek, you know, new author, new author to Star Trek, and. Uh, so yeah, but then I think we're we've got a dry spell of any external, you know, secondary. What is it? What am I? What word am I looking for here? The other marketing pieces of Star Trek print, you know, what? print. What? What are you talking about? Besides the besides the television aspect of this, this is the other stuff. The other. You're in PR, don't you know what I'm talking about? Like this is the like, like the extended universe. What are you talking about? Yeah, like sort of the extended universe, like the uh, the the comics, the bu- the books, the the magazines, the, that sort of thing. Like oh, yes, sure. <laughs> I don't sure. I don't. <laughs> All right, don't well, we'll, we'll just move it. along then. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I think the next novel is a Picard novel that comes out in May, which will probably get pushed back if Picard got pushed back. So. Maybe, maybe um, we'll, see. we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, Picard was supposed to come out what February? Yeah, I think it was supposed Next to start. <laughs> I think it was supposed <laughs> to start in that February tenth or the following, like yeah, that yeah, sometime right. in late February time slot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I I was hesitant to say because I was like, wait a minute, February is next month because it's not. I haven't heard anything. So, so I don't think it's gonna happen. I would expect at least one more trailer of some sort, but whatever. And then we still have uh, some strange new worlds. I don't know when that's coming out. Sometime this year. Um, All right, cool. Well, that's kind of the, uh, you know, life slash Star Trek news update. So why don't we get, since we do have two episodes to talk about, why don't we get into them? Uh, so first, we have episode six of Discovery Season 4, Stormy Weather. How about we play a game? An odd request, given the circumstances. Was that a joke? No, but it might help clear your head. You know what I mean. If it wouldn't distract you from your other duties. It won't, but I fail to understand how this can lead to a solution. I don't know either, but... I've been playing this game to help me assimilate into my new body. And maybe if it helps you too, then I'm not just a passenger hanging out in the lounge all day. It'd be nice to feel useful. In that case, I would love to play. Cool. So, Mike, what did you think? So I think we should do what we've done recently, which is kind of like maybe talk about like, well, actually, there's like one overall narrative for stormy weather for the most part as i recall um but we can still talk about it in some sort of chunks 
Um, what did you think about Stormy Weather? What were your what were, what were kind of your takeaways and thoughts? You know, Stormy Weather is an interesting one because I don't know. I felt kind of, uh, and I think we sort of talked. We both had the same reaction. Yeah, it's kind of. It felt kind of repetitive. It felt kind of, uh, you know, tropey. We, 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 tropey, we both, right? I mean, we were both kind of bored. Like we both thought it was kind of boring. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, well, yeah, I think it wasn't, how we how we do with this? We there, I think there are two major things, right? One would probably be um, the whole they're in the basically the void, right? Right. Yes. Like, which we have we've done this in the past. Like some, you know, they're in some sort of like it's like the, the it's like that Voyager episode where they're in the void. Actually, there were a couple of Voyager episodes where they were like in a void. Um, whatever. They couldn't get out. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> there, that's one thing. And the other thing is with Zora. Like that's it's like they run yeah. in parallel paths. Like they they are kind of like one and the same. Um, yes. But why don't we? Why don't we talk about those two disparate items? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So why don't we talk about the whole void situation where they're kind of stuck and they're trying to get out? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, it felt very slow. It felt very, you know, it just, it felt very tropey. It felt very, yeah, I, I think... Voyager is a great example of how we've sort of done these episodes and these these sorts of episodes weren't Voyager's strongest by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, uh, some of them were okay. Like the Voyager Void episode, that was kind of interesting. That was the one where they were kind of stuck in, in a space. And for two years, right? Or something? No, there was one where they were stuck in... It was like the it was a season opener. I think it was a season five opener, maybe. Okay. Um, where it was like they were in this void for like three months because they were just traversed. It was like I think five hundred light years of like empty space or something like that. Okay. And then there was another episode called The Void, where they got stuck. It's a region of space where they couldn't get out, and uh, there were ships kind of like pirating each other. Do you remember that? I do. Yep. Yeah. yeah, the one where they're okay. like traversing for three months and there's like nothing. That was when um, there there was this race of like they they were like polluters. They were like they were like the regional aliens that were all oh before. right yeah. And then the there was polluter. another race that was dumping all their radioactive garbage. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was the other episode. But they're all very similar. It's like they're they're in this regional space. They can't they can't get out and like you know it's all it's all dark. It's like the same. Yeah, I, I think um, I equated more to that three month episode where they're in the dark. Okay, and it's just kind of like I don't know, um, boring. You know, like oh, people are going crazy because there's no stars. Or, you know, they're just passing time and didn't know how to pass time. And right, they're and they're like shooting ideas around and like it's. I don't know. I thought this was really boring. Like it was just like nothing was happening. And then like they sent on the dot, right? Um, and then they made it so dramatic. Like it was just like, oh no, the dot is suffering. Oh, oh my god! It's like 
they just like they just need to amp up the drama. I was just like, oh my god, it's a fucking it's a fucking probe. Like, why can't they send a probe? Like, why is they to have you know like a semi sentient robot? Like, whatever. Like, it was just like, oh my god, it's like screaming. I'm like, this is so fucking boring. I was like, just bored <laughs> in my mind. It was just like. We yeah. know they're going to oh. get out. It's just a matter of time. Like, you know, I, yes. I don't know. There there were some stakes, I guess, like, you know, oh, oh, wait. Oh, yes. So, yeah, one, there was a crew member that died. That was dramatic. There right, was yes. Because the yep. hall was corroding. Um, and then, oh, I, it's coming back to me. It's been like three weeks like, since I watched <laughs> this episode. At the end, where they put everyone, they 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 find a way out, but then they put everyone into the transporter buffer, and then Michael is like on fire. <laughs> like, remember that? Yes, yes. I and... I was just like, I, the transporter buffer thing. I was like, okay, I guess like if they need to turn off life support, that's interesting. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know why Michael had to be on the bridge. There's no reason why she had to be on the bridge, which was like very exposed out of like. On the ship, like just from a area perspective, she couldn't go more at least inside to a more protected area. Yeah, to, right. like be on the bridge and like be on fire just for the drama. Like it was just like so dramatic. Like this is again my complaint about Discovery. Sometimes it's like everything's super dramatic. It's like everything is you know amped up. All the feelings are amped up all the time, um, and it's just like. And Sora is like singing to the captain. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, get me, get me out of here. Get me out of this episode. I don't need to be in this episode, you know? Um, so, so yes, those are, that, that's like the, my, my, yeah, that is, you, you, plots. you, yeah, you, right. you bring a lot of good points up. I think that this felt very fillerish to me. Um, it felt very almost, this is definitely written for COVID times, right? You know, very limited cast, um, or, you know, as far as, you know, you have the bridge where everyone can be. I mean, they're the bridge, the bridge goes together. Like, yeah, but there, but look at all those stations. Like everyone was more than six feet apart. Like no one moved from their station. The Discovery Bridge is massive. I know it. I'm not. so big. I know it is. I know. I'm just saying like, when you look at it through the eyes of COVID, I just think that it's, you know, this felt very, very much like a COVID. Like we don't, we didn't, for maybe, maybe the new LED screens was, we're down for this episode or I don't know. Like it just felt, it felt like one of those things where, you know, we got to cut the budget this week. You know, it felt one of like those days, the days of, you know, next gen and, and whatever, where you had these filler episodes that just, you know, like a bottle show. I yeah. Guess. This was I definitely, mean, this was definitely a bottle show. And uh, there were, I guess there were fewer effects. I mean, there was still quite a number of effects, I would say. Sure. Like, yeah. With like the, the hull corroding and like the bridge yeah, on fire. I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's certainly you know a filler or bottle episode for the twenty second century, you know, or whatever it is, you know, thirty second uh, century, thirty second century. Um, yeah, it just it just felt very like you, you know you knew that they were gonna figure it out. You're like, okay, we've been here before. They're lost in the, you know, it's just the whole thing about not knowing which direction to go. I was like, oh man, not this, you know, it's just, it would just felt very 
you know, repetitive. Like someone was at home watching Voyager and said, oh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Let's just, you know, let's just do night, but, you know, on the discovery and tie it in. Night. The... Night's the other Yeah, one. yeah, no, That's yeah. I looked it up while you were talking. Okay. Uh, you know, let's just do that in discovery, you know, on discovery in the middle of the anomaly and not really have to do too much other than create internal drama and, and then have a, a computer that is uh, as a side story a computer that you know because we needed gray to do something so um yeah so we have the the computer side story so um it's just uh yeah it's just it feels very filler-esque you know very like oh gosh you know isn't this in the manual isn't please tell me that this is in the starfleet manual somewhere where they teach you how to get out of a void because I know, at, at this point, it's at this point, this should be, you know, and Mary Wiseman is back teaching at the Academy and she's, you know, please tell me that she's teaching them about how to get out of a void uh, because goodness. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, yeah, it was, it was very boring, very bottle show. You knew they were going to get out of it. There were, there, there were fake stakes, right there. You know, you, you, yes. The only way that, you know, they, they created any stakes is that they, Dr. Pollard saw Lieutenant or Ensign so-and-so get sucked out of the ship as the, the thing, which actually for half a minute, I really thought that we were seeing the end of Dr. Pollard. Really thought oh, that was coming. Okay. Just the way, you know, that we've no, seen other... No, they need the black characters. I... Uh, yes, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that the <laughs> way that the... I just the way that they uh, set up the episode where she was in sick bay talking with Stamets and Gray, and then she went off, and suddenly she's in the midst of this crisis of the whole corroding. And, and I thought, yep, yeah, this is it. We're gonna say goodbye. She comes back, and now we're gonna say goodbye to her. Uh, that's what I. I mean, thankfully, no. But man, you had me go in there, Discovery, for like two minutes, for, thinking. For you know, for for half a second, thinking that we were going to lose Dr. Pollard, and instead we lose some faceless, nameless, some rando, yeah, complete yeah. rando. That I don't remember the name at all. Yes. I never and in fact, and in fact, dramatically, it would have been much more impactful had we lost Dr. Pollard. It would that would have been dramatic. Yes, I, that would have that would have uh, impacted Michael significantly more than an ensign would. Uh, you know, that would have affected. Culber yeah. and also Gray and Adira, you know, it would have affected all of them. And that would have upped the stakes quite a bit right. from my perspective. Um, oh, and this was also the episode. It's been so long, but this we also complain about this. This was also the episode where they gave Owa, like, remember, like she was like, I need to go to engineering and help. Oh, is this? Oh, yeah, this is it. Yes. <laughs> We had an we like, wait, exposition. This is like exactly like the previous episode where they got Reese to like do something like random and like yes. it's and yes. then it's like some personal stake and it's like oh I have a personal story to connect to this and I was like what the fuck like I was like why are we doing this is it, it was like exact it was like literally it was recycling <laughs> the same yep. like plot yep. device. 
So we did it. We did it with. She didn't um, end up going to fix engineering or whatever it was. But no, and in fact, she acted so out of character. It was so unbelievable. Yeah, I was like, Where's this coming from? I was like, this is yeah. Awesome. It wasn't. Um, you know, we got this with Reese. We got this with um, <laughs> Ronnie Rose Jr.'s character, which I can never remember his name. Who? Um, the communications commander. Oh, Bryce. Bryce, thank you. Oh Bryce. Lord. So we got this with Bryce. We've gotten this with um Reese. Now we've gotten this with Owo. Um, you know, this exposition. Oh, didn't Bryce also have like a suggestion in this episode? I feel like he had something, like he had a line. I don't I don't remember. Um I don't even remember Owa oh, oh, Owa's Owa Owa, whatever her name. Owa's. I mean, I, always, I just know it's Owa's like it's that's so unusual. Well, yeah. I guess she goes by Owo or Owa. Is it Owa or Owa? Owo, I think. Owo. Okay. Um, I don't even remember her personal story because I was no. I was so incredulous. Like I was yeah. I was bewildered and incredulous that <laughs> they did the same exact thing. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, character detail by exposition is not an effective storytelling uh method in 2022 this is such an eye roll moment i was just like oh my god like whatever like and, so, and to have her and to have her act out of character in order to get to that no it's just, so it really that, that, out of left field like yeah just, it was, was like, so why is she all of a sudden like up in like saru's grill and was like let me help and i was like why where's this coming from i just don't gonna, I yeah don't exactly me. yeah so we had that. So, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, so that just makes this episode even worse. And I like Owo. Like, I love, I really. That's you know, great. I, yeah. We've talked yeah. about, we've talked about this. We like the bridge crew. I just don't like what the writers are doing with the bridge crew by having them tell stories about their lives in order to involve them in the episode. Yeah. Um, I just don't just throwing them a bone. I'm just like, oh my god! (laughs) You know, the you know, I mean, Reese had to explain why he wanted to. Oo had to explain her behavior. Bryce's is the only one that actually made sense. Oh yeah, he was like surfing, like he was talking about. Yeah, the surfing. that one made sense because if you're looking at the waves and if he's looking across at the bridge and Tilly is showing. The model of the the waves and he sees that yeah he can make the connection that, hey that's like waves on the planet i used to vacation with and and yeah, that makes yeah. sense the that other made stuff, more sense yes the other yeah. stuff doesn't and you know go back and listen to our previous episode about talking about reese because you know i think that we agreed that if they had focused the story on reese instead of michael and book going to rescue these or focus more of the episode on reese going to save the colony that would have made a better episode this uh, this is just complete this is the worst offender of this new exposition character detail exposition thing that they're doing with these characters this is by far, far the worst and the most out of place and to have her like challenge saru out of the blue and like you know no i'm sorry it's just not that that and I think we talked a little bit about this. That was, that really, that's writing. That's the writer. The writers, I thought, you know, so I thought this episode as a whole was really, really um, not as well written as it could have been. And, um, or even if we needed this episode at all, I don't know. No, I was just um, looking, I was distracted because um, 
the only interesting thing about this episode that I noticed, which was different. Um, okay, for, so first I was like, who directed this? Jonathan Frakes directed this episode. Um, right. And there was one moment, I don't know if you recall, but I really, it, it struck me because it's so different and we've never seen it in Discovery before, um, where there's different, you have different bridge crews kind of interacting, they're talking, and you see, it's almost like comic strippy. Do you remember that? They have, it almost like, was like a comic strip kind of like intercuts, like where it, it felt very, um, like, it, it, yeah, it felt like very, like, kind of like Marvel y. Like, uh, Marvel. Yeah, I was just going to say the way you're describing that is how Marvel Marvel does it in some of their movies, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, yeah it, I don't that, re- was, that was interesting. I thought it was a little different. And I noticed that Jonathan Frakes directed it. I was like, oh, he's okay. trying something different. Yeah. Um, with like transition scenes and stuff like that. That was the only thing that was a little bit like interesting, okay. and unusual. Yeah. Um, but it, was, uh, it only lasted for one scene. So whatever. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, this this episode really, you know, Stormy Weather really came down to the writer. This is just, you know, uh, I'm sorry. It's just not well written, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I'm just not a fan of how they did this. And and then, so then do you want to talk a little bit about the quote-unquote B-plot of Zora? Oh, my God. Yeah, um, this whole Zora plot, which is, like, snorbest. Like, I'm... I'm and okay. And the problem now I think is that I don't think they know what to do with gray as a character. Now that he has a body, I feel that they're just now they're trying to like find stuff for him to do. Cause he's not like a, he's not a member of Starfleet. He, right. he wants to go to trill and be like, whatever, like a guardian. Right. Um, because this whole time he's been an accessory to, to gray. To Adira. To the names. So, yes. So they don't want to do Gray. He's been an accessory to Adira. And now that he's in his own body, it's like, all right, now what to do with him? And they just give him this, like, Zora, whatever, whatever to deal with. And I'm like, okay. And it was like, just so boring. It's like, oh my God. Like, he's playing chess with Zora. I'm like, oh my God. Like, it, it was just like, well, this this really has along. this really has for me vibes of the M five computer that took over the original Enterprise um, from the original series. I can't remember the episode's name, but uh, anyone who knows the original series and and remembers M five, the when so know. the the computer they turn over to an you know to an ai essentially they turn the enterprise over to an ai and it destroys three other constitution class starships oh. uh or two two you know so and then they have to fight to disconnect the computer um so this also felt very like tropey like reusing star trek um episodes and and things like that you know so we've got this night discovery version of night plus this m5 computer episode with within one episode and you know i'm just like i I mean i get it that you know i don't know i think i'm really just disappointed in the originality that you know this is clearly some written by someone who knows star trek well and that's great but why do we have to bring up the same stories? Like there's so many good other types of stories to tell 
why can't we do this? Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's also where I find fault. And, you know, yes, the difference is that Gray finds a way to calm her with this trill game. And, you know, Suzora is now having emotions and anxiety, which we've seen little bits of. And this is where it sort of comes to a much bigger head. And then, you know, can Michael put her faith in Zora to get the ship out of this void while she finally has to go into stasis, into the transporter buffer um, as the ship is like falling apart around her? Um, Wait, Tom, no, Michael doesn't go into the transporter buffer. Yes, she does. Towards the end of the episode, she has no, to. No, she's like on fire and then she passes out. Like, no, 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 no. Yes. She goes, no, she goes into the transporter buffer at the end. Michael? Yes. No, I don't think so. And yes. No. She Pull it up while I'm talking. Okay, I, I will. Serious. I will. I am I dead serious. Maybe I she, was so distracted by how terrible this nope. episode was. She that, um, eventually turns the control of the ship over to Zora and Zora gets the ship out of the void because Michael is dying or Michael is seriously injured and she goes into the transporter buffer as well. And so it's Zora who No, gets so the- temperature rise and Bernard asks Zora to bring the crew out of the pattern buffers when it's safe. With four minutes left, Zora's, Zora offers a distraction from the heat by playing a song and then Burnham just wakes up in the next scene. Yes, because she goes into the transporter buffer. No, she doesn't. She just passes out. All right, rewatch the episode. I'm no, she doesn't. She does not pass out. She uh, is already injured, and she puts gets put into the transporter buffer. Like Zora puts her in the transporter buffer, or yes. she does it herself, or someone, whatever, whoever. She ends up in the transporter buffer as well. With like, there's no way she's going to survive the last four minutes, and she has to go into the transporter buffer. No, I think she's, she's going to die. Zora sing her the no. song. Nope, 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 nope. Absolutely not. She goes into the transporter buffer. Okay. Watch okay. That. No, I am a hundred. Okay. I am. Yeah. Okay. You, you are buying me dinner this time around. Dinner? A, Wait, a, let's do a drink. No, no, no. The last time the stakes were high, you know, and I lost right away All because right, you I'll set it dinner. up. That's fine. Um, but this is, this I mean, is. It's been three weeks since I've seen this episode, so I'm not sure. Uh, I'm on very solid ground here, but. No, I don't. Sure. But, uh, any, Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's how, and then she comes out of, like, the rest, then Zora brings the ship through All right. and brings everyone out of it. right after we finish recording. I'm sure you will, and you will text me and say, you are right, I'm buying you dinner. Okay, that's so, fine. I don't mind so, buying you dinner. That's I, fine. I mean, so that's, that's sort of, you know, the end of that episode, I believe, you know, yes. My, you know, the, that's really the resolution is that Zora gets them out of the, out of the void and that's it you know and then the ship needs serious oh no and then i'm reading memory alpha and then and then zora creates her own family tree i'm like oh my god get me the fuck out of this episode i was just like and it's like the discovery crew i'm like of course yeah it's like it's like it's just like so overwrought and cheesy and like overly emotional and everything's just ramped up to ridiculous levels all the time like it's it's whatever. I, I this episode was terrible. I hated it. I, hated it. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think it had. I think Jonathan Brakes. It, it wasn't an issue of direction. It was just like really like it was not the material was not good. Like you know, yeah. like I, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it's not a well written episode, and it's very, 
recycled. It's completely recycled, and it's a bottle episode for Discovery, really. Um, so. Cool. All right. So I think we move on to... I think we've killed that episode. Shall we go on to the... Shall we go <laughs> on to, go to the, the quote-unquote... This season finale. This season finale. Yes, the quote-unquote suddenly um, mid-season finale. All right. Ellipses, but to connect. Zora? Yes, Commander. I know you mean well, and I, I know you you value and respect Starfleet and us, but you could still prioritize your feelings over our needs and our captain's orders. Everyone on the ship is in a chain of command. That's the agreement we make to work together and keep each other safe. And you're not part of that. I would very much like to be. I was hoping you'd say that. Before you decide anything, might I offer a recommendation? Of course. However, my evaluation is now complete. It's my official determination that Zora is indeed a new life form. It feels marvelous. What does? Being seen. Hmm. Then Starfleet's rule against integrated AI does not apply. Correct. So what happens now? You said you had a recommendation. Yes. Uh, I was going to propose that Zora join us. Join Starfleet as a specialist. Unless... I think it is a wonderful idea. We're Zora to swear an oath to uphold Starfleet bylaws and we're... Captain Burnham and Admiral Vance to agree. She would be bound by the same rules that govern us all. Oh, give it my full support. Zora, do you want to join Starfleet? I would like that very much. <laughs> all right, all right. So, all right, so... what happened this episode? <laughs> so I just I watched like this really yesterday. Like my mind, like what happened in this sure. episode? So we we have we have um, we have Zora who. Oh. Uh, has unlocked where the coordinates of species like sense you. Man, part two, whatever. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, so we have the the computer refusing to give us the coordinates. We have and then uh, the, the, the the federation. The yeah, federation, well, non federation council meeting. Yeah, uh, everyone's gathered as many planets and from all the quadrants, as they say. Um, who, whoever wants to be a part of this discussion on what to do about the DMA. So we have that. Then we have sort of a C plot is this whole thing with Tarka, my favorite, not favorite asshole of the year award. Um, and book. And book, I guess. Yeah. So we have their little shindig. So that's sort of a C plot that be, obviously, as we know how it ends or how the episode ends, becomes. And if you've seen the preview for the rest of the season or the next episode, I don't even know what it is. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's for the rest the second half of the season. There's a 30 second trailer for the second half of the oh. season already. Um, you'll see that this is, you know, we've got to stop them. Right. Then I'm not. So, so yeah, so we have Zora, we have the Federation council or, you know, everyone discussing what to do about the DMA. And then we have Book and Tarka. So which one do you want to... Well, what are your overall thoughts? Let's do it this way. So I started the last episode. Mm -hmm. on, 
on ellipses but to connect what were your overall thoughts on it and then we'll start talking about the one I of thought, the thoughts i thought but to connect was better than night part two um <laughs> stormy weather i forgot the name so that's why i said night. um it was better but i was still bored like I, I i didn't i wasn't i didn't find this episode particularly compelling either i was there was a lot of talking like and yes. going in circles like I, I i okay so one of my main issues um with this season is that i feel that the dma i don't think we've I was going to say, we, we feel the gravity of the DMA. Oh, I get it. <laughs> we, uh, we, we're told the gravity of a DMA. Obviously, it destroys Quajon in episode one. And it destroys the colony in, like, episode four or whatever. I don't remember. But I feel that, like, the, it, the threat of the DMA has, it's not, it has, it's not existential enough. Like, it, it needs to be more. I feel we're told that it's existential, but we haven't really seen it like do a lot of damage other than yes, it's tried a whole planet. It's tried one planet, but it hasn't done much more beyond that. And the second, the destruction of the colony, they were able to evacuate basically everyone except for one person. Like, you know, it's not the best, but it's, they're making it sound like much more, than it is i feel like you know like for example like if we this is not a best of both world situation where we see like the borg like literally like just even the borg destruction scale they don't destroy entire planets like we have you know we, we didn't really even see that in best of both worlds like we see them right. destroy a colony um on whatever i don't remember the planet shoot um and best of worlds part two they destroy like a, a fleet but that is many levels below like destroying a whole planet but for some reason the borg just felt like such an existential threat compared to um this dma thing where they're really making a big deal out of it obviously hmm. but i i'm just not feeling it i don't know how you feel about it i'm just not feeling it well i think yeah as you were kind of describing it and and we did learn that you know it destroyed quajon in episode one and Right. I think that I think, you know, to 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 be a little bit crass, you know, they blew their load on the first episode. Right. And then it just uh, and, and then it fizzled it, it out. Not like, yeah, like it would have been I think it would have been better to like have build up to it a little build more, up to build up to it a little bit more and give us some like, oh, what's going on here? What's that? You know, and then and not knowing and then ooh, what's that? Like almost like it could have done the colony second, like Ooh, we, what is this thing? It's doing something to space, you know, maybe a ship gets stuck in it or something and we sort of start to explore it. And then the next one is a colony and then we lose Quajon, you know, that would have been a ramp up of, of, you know, existential qualities. Cause we're like, Oh, you know, it's curious. I don't know what it is. Oh, it killed this colony. We had to evacuate it. Oh, it just killed. Quajon. Instead, we start with this big bang, which causes a lot of drama between Book and Michael, but it doesn't really cause a lot of drama outside of that realm, really. Because we've been talking about the DMA a lot, but we haven't seen much of it. Um, Yes. And and suddenly it disappears, you know, it disappears in episode five or whatever. 
And so we suddenly realized that it's now it's got to be artificial. And so it's just the, the order of events is a little bit out of place here. And I think that now that, you know, once it disappears and you're like, oh, we don't know if it'll ever reappear again, we don't know where or how or when, you know, then then we get very like, you know, then it just creates this like question, like, is it really a threat anymore? You know, the 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 value of it, I think, has gone down and we sort of rely to go back on, you know, to go back to episode one on the destruction of Quajan as the as a thing. And and, you know, I think they probably did that because they they're really showing the slow burn of um, excuse the burn reference, but the slow burn of of uh, books like hatred and anger and grief and, and right. you know, all those feelings like they're showing that that process of grieving for him mm. and now we're in, now we're in the anger phase and now we're gonna you know now we're throwing away our relationship with michael because we're on different sides of this now and i want to kill it and she wants to find out more about it like this whole now we've got inter now now we've really made this about an interpersonal drama and michael's gonna have to choose and book's gonna have to choose and now that i say all of this we go back to that first or second episode and we're like, who's she going to lose? That really is going like, who's going to die. That's really going to affect Michael. And I'm wondering now if the person who's going to die is actually book. And, 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 and that's, that's what I just came up with as we're talking. Not, I have not thought of this up until now, but um, you know, I don't think we're going to lose like Reese or, you know, Oh, well, we're going to lose someone who's really significant to Michael and really affect her and have her, you know, have her faith shaken, maybe, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I think that though, yes, I agree that we really haven't built this, the way that they've built up the DMA, and then suddenly it's gone. And now we're still trying to figure it out. And now we introduce this other character, Tarka, which I hate, obviously. Um, and hate is not strong enough a word. Like, I, I would like to throw him into the sun level oh, of hate. I thought he was less annoying in this episode. I mean, like, and then we got, like, that moment where it was very out of left field where he's from a parallel universe. I'm like, what? Well, he's not from a parallel universe. He and his partner, like, so, again, I don't really like the caginess. I'm not really liking the caginess around my friend. We'd meet in another world. Like, that is bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. That's bad writing from, from my perspective. Like, why he he's he's willing to burn down like blow up and use a a weapon that will has been banned throughout the federation and well, Lorca to, wasn't exactly Lorca was like willing to do whatever to get back to his universe true. yeah yeah no but so. you know this you know it's just this character is you know completely selfish and wants to get to this parallel universe where he and a friend quote unquote agreed to meet should they ever get separated from being both sure, scientists sure. in this um emerald chains lab um so you know if you're if you're if your friend is like your lover which it seems like it is because who are you gonna you're gonna do all of this for just a friend i mean come on like I just really hate the vagueness around this. And I, I think it's a bad, it's a, it's a really bad writing moment for this, but it doesn't make me like him any less or more. 
It didn't make I, me no. I mean, I I was just like I, I don't like him anymore or less. Like it, it was just, just like, it like, actually it was just a like, moment where he was like a little bit less annoying. Yeah, but uh, you know, I think I I did enjoy book calling him out on his shit, and I thought that that was really good. But then, you know, book in that process of him calling him out on it book sort of bonds with him in a way that makes them like partners in this. Like I can give you what you want. You can give me what I want, which is vengeance. Um, you can get your power core so you can go wherever you want. And, you know, I think that it's just, I don't know. I, I not really liking this dynamic at all. I mean, but, uh, and you know, the fact that the fact of the matter is like, Everything that Michael says in this episode, everything she speaks to is true. It's true about the Federation. It's true, you know, about all of this and to vote and to have everybody vote on it, which seems crazy. I don't think it was just the 60 worlds of the Federation that voted. I think everybody got a vote. Um, well, obviously, Earth. Didn't yeah, I didn't vote. really understand how the voting worked because I was like, why does Michael get a vote? Like, you know, like, yeah, it's it, just it, yeah, it's just like who? Yeah. Who's voting? Uh, I, I, I don't quite understand. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I think that, yeah, I think that there was a lot of artificial drama created throughout this first half of the season that. I mean, this, that's really, the show sometimes. No, yeah, absolutely. Honest. No, it's definitely endemic of the show, but I think, I think it would have been much more interesting to build up the, the deadliness of the, or the, the deadliness of this DMA and then find a species behind it and then have to switch gears and go and be explorers again and meet this new species or whatever it is and go that route, which is much more Star Trek. Uh, Instead, we're doing a lot of work with death and grief and which is also Star Trek to some extent, but it's um, just like with the serialized, you know, with a serialized show, it gets drawn out, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's funny because the book, the book processing is, it's going to be the whole season. I think, you know, it's basically going to keep on going. Meanwhile, you know, some other things like, you know, like Tilly's was relatively fast. Like it was like pretty much wrapped up in like three episodes. And then Culber, I I don't know if we're going to revisit that, like some of his struggles. Like, I'm not sure. Right. It's dissipated somewhat. Right, but we do also in this episode get the idea that we are losing Gray. Adira is is taking Gray back to Trill and going away, you know, so... I was, I was kind of like, all right, whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, that's sort of the, the closure that, you know, you, you mentioned very, very well the last... When we were talking about the previous episode, you were like, you didn't actually jump ahead. You were kind of living in the moment of... Well, here's Gray. He's helping out Zora, but because he doesn't have anything else to do, what's going to happen to this character? And then by the end of this episode, yeah. but to connect, we, we know what's going to happen. He's going back to Trill, um, and Adira is taking him back there. Uh, so we do get that kind of ending. Um, but also, you know, we have. I shed no tears. This. It was fine. No, I no, I think you know. Again, we're shedding characters because I think we have. Too many characters. Not too many characters. Um, um, which is, you know, again, would have, you know, would have been good if, you know, I, I, not that I don't like Pollard, Dr. Pollard, but I think that would have amped up things a little bit differently. Um, that would have caused some like collateral damage and some grief. 
um, in ways that would have been interesting to experience. Like, sure. you know, I think, I think Gray and Culber experiencing grief of the loss of Dr. Pollard would have been a good um, contrast to the way that Book is experiencing grief uh, all season long, like up and down, angry and, you know, sad and angry and wants to help and then wants to destroy and kill and you know and now we'll throw everything away to get vengeance because he thinks he's right and the person who he's spent the last two years with um and is in love with is wrong and makes the decision to throw all of that away for this evil person evil man so i you know i think that you know yes 10 10 species 10c is the the new big baddie of whatever this may be. Mm. Um, but we've now got a very human or a rising evil person who is also becoming an, a baddie. Well, uh, so, so you were saying that book wants vengeance. I do think he does. But at the same time, the argument that he makes to the council, I thought, I thought that his, um, his rationale is was actually quite compelling. And at the end of the day, I don't actually think that either of them are wrong or right. Because his objective is not so much to get vengeance on Species 10C, but to destroy the dark matter anomaly, to right. prevent it from destroying any future planets, like what happened to him and Quajon. So it's not a matter of vengeance in this case, at least the way that he articulates it. Um, and that's why he got some people to kind of agree with him. It's to like, look, like the time is not to be diplomatic. The time is to take action because by the time we like start talking to species 10C, who knows what else is going to happen? We don't want another equation on our hands. So I actually thought that was a very compelling argument. And I think that what is actually more interesting to me is that there is not a perfect answer um here like you know like obviously michael's concern is there might be blowback to destroying the dark matter anomaly they don't know what's going to happen but but for book it's it's like okay we'll figure out the consequences later i mean the more immediate threat is this dark matter anomaly and you know that's what is that's what the danger is right now that's the clear and present danger you know um so i actually thought that yeah, I, I don't actually mind that, um, you know, that that book and Tarka like are going off to destroy this anomaly because it's it's not vengeance. It's like they at least to, in book's mind in the way that he argues it, it's to prevent further tragedy. Right. I, I mean, yes, I, I see that. I, I think that that's sort of a falsehood on his part. I think that that it, it's I. I think it's more vengeance than than what it's going to do to other people. I think he's. I think it could be a little bit of both. Like you know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying. I'm you know. I'm not saying. Yeah. I just feel because like I think that like you know we've seen because what happened to on the colony he didn't want to leave anyone behind right like and it pained him to have to even leave that one I don't remember his name the one criminal behind I, I do think that he now has this it's not exactly the same as Michael's savior complex but he doesn't want anyone else to suffer. He doesn't want anyone else to have to die because of this anomaly, right? So 
I do think there is an aspect to where he wants to save people. I do think he has, he is angry. I agree with you. Um, yeah. But I think it's not necessarily black and white. Like, I think it's a little bit of both. No, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, this is definitely no. I think this is a really good debate because I don't think it's black and white. I definitely think there's a lot of gray here. But I think that um, I think Book is falling into the trap or, you know, he's called Michael out on being a savior before. Mm-hmm. And I think that this in this case, he's sort of adopting that tactic. Now he's sort of seeing the value for for himself and how he can be the savior um, of this, you know, and also get vengeance at the same time. He's angry. Um, he wants them to pay. He doesn't care. You know, I think that there's there's a lot in that. Uh, so I think that it's interesting because I think Michael, we've seen over the last few episodes, Michael's maturity is growing as a more um, thoughtful captain. And... And now Book is sort of inhabiting that savior complex paradigm of, you know, that that she used to do. And she's she's realizing I I actually think that she's realizing that there is she's she's going the right direction for a Starfleet captain and a member of the Federation. And I think that, you know, I think this will be a good example for her to see like how in the past or, you know, and even in the future that she can't be that savior anymore. And she's probably mm-hmm. going to have to come to terms with that. And I, I think that going back to what I said earlier, I think that, I think that the book is going to be the, the casualty of all of this. Sure. Um, which, you know, will definitely affect her in multiple ways, but I yeah. think also, I think, I think this will be an opportunity for her to, to say, you know, he's chosen his path. And I'm really upset and sad to lose him and, and I can't save him. I, actually, that's, you know, the more I talk about Maybe. it, the more, yeah. yeah, I feel yeah. that this is, I, you know, if I were the writer of this series or a, you know, producer on this, this is the direction I would see us going, but, but we've been wrong before and, sure. and sure. there are clearly some not so great writers on the staff, you know, not, you know, or, you know, there are some clearly not that they're not great writers, but that they've written some less than stellar episodes. So, yes. Um, so do we want to talk about the whole Zora B plot, I guess? Yeah, uh, I think that that's, we've sort of done A and C. So let's go back to the B plot, which is, um, which I have to say you know, rewatching it yesterday, my favorite part is my favorite part of all of this is the progression that Stamets goes through in this. Yeah, that episode. was my favorite part too. Um, and his his fears about control are totally justified, like because that was a yeah. problem. <laughs> that was yeah, a major absolutely. issue in season two. So I'm yeah. glad that they, you know, I'm glad that they referenced that, and it makes sense. Like, you know, like we've definitely seen AI go off the rails on Star Trek before. Mm-hmm. So this is not, you know, right. literally talked about that, you know, the first half of this podcast episode. So I think that his arguments, especially towards the beginning, totally makes sense. But I think obviously Zora kind of wins him over, right? Like with her, like... Her personality, but then also like the realization of like, oh, she wants to join Starfleet. Like there were there were like a couple cute things like that that I mm-hmm. thought were interesting that I kind of liked. 
um, there was just like a lot of talking, which is it was fine. It was fine. Well, it was a lot of a lot of really valuable discussion, though. I think you know, talking about the sentience of life and mm-hmm. choices people, you know, people have to live their life, and how one one person shouldn't control another uh, person's existence or life. So I think that there's a lot of great, a lot of great Star Trek themes in this discussion, but I think what's really stellar is, um, is Stamets's growth through this and and the way that, um, the way that he talks himself through that, but also that, that the, the crew support him in this journey. Um, and also, uh, also I have to say, like, I really enjoyed that. This is like, this is, <laughs> this is sort of a model of transparent communication. You know, they're having the discussion out in the sure. open, which is totally con- contrary to what, how he comes in and starts. He wants to kind of hush hush and, you know, which is That's true, which mm-hmm. is totally understandable. But I think that this is a great example of how transparent communication with someone can help you understand them and understand yourself and, and one another and, and that this is just a really great model for for growth and exploration so i think that that's really um really great on the part of this episode is is this this mm-hmm. whole you know and you know as much as i i did so I did really like how they melded Burnham's speech and Stamets's speech in towards the end of the episode. I thought that oh, that was I really didn't like that actually. I knew, yeah, I didn't think you would, but I, you I know, like I, 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 I was... it didn't, it didn't connect for me as well. Like I could see why you liked it, but I didn't think that it was as successful personally. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think it needed to be that way though, because we had already kind of heard Burnham's perspective on it. And so it's sort of, I think it would have been repetitive just to have to hear Burnham speak up, but she needed to speak up. That was part of the, part of the deal, deal with the president, you know, someone needed to speak up and take that side and no one was, and she had to, Um, but it wasn't anything that she hadn't said before really. So, you know, interspersing that with, you know, Stamets coming to understand, you know, connectedness and trust and, um, and all of that, that he had to go through in order to get to a place where they could come up with a solution for Zora. And then in the end, you, you learn that, that, um, David Cronenberg, I can't think of his character's name. He's just going to be David Cronenberg. Kovic. 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 Uh, Kovic was actually really analyzing Stamets, right. not Zora, that was, that was as so much. That was a that was a really uh, interesting twist on this. Um, but I also think that you know, and then you know, obviously, it's a it's a nice tie-in. I, I you know, I know that this is a little bit tropey to some extent, but you know, the gray brings up the whole idea of you know they get to decide what their body. You know, Zora will get to decide what kind of receptacle she's going to end up in if you know if that is how that that storyline progresses but so that that's a nice touch i think that um well wasn't you know, zora I, like this is my body or something yeah yeah she was like yeah she was like discovery is my body you know so it's uh 
it's fast. It's I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I just hope it doesn't become this. I hope that this B plot really should be become more of a C plot now that we've got an emotional computer and now she's sort of relegating herself to the chain of command somehow. Um, I hope that we can kind of move on from that and kind of. I'm ready to move on. I I don't need a simple labor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think AI. These AI discussions can get really long in the tooth and and kind of repetitive and boring. So I'm hoping that we'll get some something different going forward. But um, yeah, I'm sure you know, we'll visit it. No, oh, I'm sure we will too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Yeah, yeah you knowing, know, knowing the writers, I, I don't think we're going to let that go just yet. Well, and you know that we, we still have, even though it's sort of slightly out of out of sync with where things are at. I mean, we do sort of have this short tracks, this short tracks thing yeah, to tie into. Know. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to weave that in or not. But but at any rate, um, there's that piece of it, too. But uh yeah, I, I make, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of Stamets. I, I thought that was a really strong, um, strong character arc for him to go through. Sure. Uh, I yeah. thought it was really well played mm-hmm. also. So, um, you know, and I also really enjoyed how Saru was sort of, more in more in the like background of this piece of it right right um so it's it's uh i, I liked having saru there but i the, his presence it was mostly it was mostly on stamets like that yeah it was, was really, really on the, the the star of that plot line so yeah yeah and i thought it was really well done uh, i really you know so that that part of it i enjoyed Am I tired of the Zora storyline at this point? Yes. Like, let's just, you know. Yes, I'm ready to. Let's, let's, let's get back to human on human interaction and, and have, you know, some crew, crew building experiences, which if you see the 30 second clip for the, the second half of the season, okay. you'll, you'll see some see some some crew moments, which I think are good. Um, all right. All right. So we'll right. see what happens. But uh, I think we've. Uh, yeah, I think we've beat butt to connect to death. Um, yeah, I think we talked most about everything. Um, the Federation president continues to put Michael in the situations where, I don't know, like continues to rely on Michael and put her in these positions where she she's playing a really pivotal role despite what she said to her in in episode one. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I know I brought that yeah, up. Yeah, but time, I think but. that the, I think if you look at it, the progression of, of Burnham through this season so far has been really, um, has gotten better and better. She's gotten, with she's the, calm. You mean with the president or just her character? I think with the president, but with her character as well. I think she's sort of settling into this more diplomatic, this more Picard style and uh captain versus a little bit uh, yes. versus a yes. kirk style you know we 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 did say at the beginning of the season that she still lets her feelings kind of like you know she's it's still very out there and it definitely affects her but she yes i do see what you're saying 
yeah, I think she's becoming more of a Picard and, and that the Kirk part of it is coming, is kind of going into the background a lot more. So that I'm, that I'm enjoying. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, honestly, I, I really don't, you know, I, I enjoy and I really like that this dynamic between the two of them. I think that showing women in power, running the Federation and running, you know, the discovery, I think is really powerful, um, stuff and you know we we have a really a lot of strong female characters in this show and i think that um that's great i think that that's uh i do enjoy it i just think that there was a bit of a disconnect because again i i I don't want to repeat myself because i already talked about this in the last episode but it's like she yeah president Miller didn't trust her but then she immediately put michael into these situations where you know things hang in the balance because of Michael, you know? So I think like if there was like a more gradual per, like it's, it's so similar to what we, we, what we were talking about with the DMA. And I feel like, you know, we had to have this like antagonistic moment in episode one. And then I feel like there was a 180 without, I, I feel that it was a gradual progression of some sort versus like president really immediately putting Michael into these, these situations. It would have been, better it's just like sometimes i just kind of get whiplash from discovery you know it's just like things just like go like it's very much like actually what along the lines of what president miller said it's like a pendulum like sometimes it's like it's like you know it it goes to very much extreme sometimes um and it doesn't i don't know i I, that's another issue i have a discovery it's sometimes it's just too much on the extremes it doesn't need to always be like everything's on, on the extremes like whatever yeah, I think you're right. I think that it focuses on the apexes of the the pendulum and not in the part in the middle. It's a little bit more balanced and and yeah. And those moments are rare, but I like them. It's like the the Tilly thing, where like you know she's in this place where she doesn't know what to do, you know, and like she needs to discover herself. Those are really great, and I feel like we need more of those um, yeah. moments and character moments and plot moments, but instead we're just like, I don't know. We're just like all over the place sometimes. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I think we're, uh, I think we're, we're done talking about these two episodes. I think we're good. Yeah, I think so too. So cool. next week we get to have uh, a little lighter discussion around prodigy. Yes. And, and, we and then we can have a coda, which is a little, we can talk about coda. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we give a shout out to our sponsor, Fansets? Yes, please do, Mike. So Fansets is our sponsor and also the Trek Geeks Podcast Network sponsor. <laughs> and it's been a while since <laughs> it's been a while since I've had to do this promo, but uh, Fansets has got over four hundred licensed Star Trek pins to choose from now. And uh, the new releases at the beginning of this year and this month are uh, a Star Trek Discovery Series logo pin, as well as a, I guess, a farewell pin for uh, Nichelle Nichols Uhura. Um, they're calling it a micro crew pin, but I, I don't know that that doesn't really jive with their pin? other. What's that? It's a farewell pin, is it? Yeah, it's a farewell, uh, Nichelle Nichols farewell pin. Um, but it's it's more like, she's it's dead not, 
No, she's not dead. No, no, no. She, but she did. She did just at the beginning of December. She did her final convention appearance at the oh, LA, okay. LA like, Comic Con uh, convention. So, um, yeah, it's it's slightly different. It's not a woman of Trek type pin. It's uh, it's got the Enterprise, the original Enterprise, and her and her uniform from the original series um, with her earpiece in. So it's. It's a nice looking pin uh, and it, they're calling it a farewell pin. So, but it's also called a micro crew, crew pin. So I don't know, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, go check those two new pins out. I'm sure that they've got a whole lot more uh, new stuff coming out this year, uh, which will be exciting to see uh, as well as, uh, you know, continuing the series three of the women of Trek. You have Jillian Taylor, Dr. Jillian Taylor from Star Trek four. Mm-hmm. And you also have Janice Rand as well uh from the original series so head on over to fansets.com actually and they still have the holiday pin from this oh. year of the discovery and the wreath so um get that so you can put it hang it on your tree next year thank you for um, giving me one you're welcome you're welcome and it went, in, uh, it went into the box i didn't throw it, it in the did. garbage so no it did not go in the garbage you liar no, it no, went, it didn't. I'm saying it went into the box, not the garbage. Not the garbage. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yes, it went into your Christmas ornaments box. Correct. For storage. Correct. Excellent. So head on over to fans. That's put a bunch of pins into your uh, cart. If you spend more than $30 in the U.S., you're going to get free shipping. And if you use the code DSPRIDE, all one word, in caps, you're going to get 10% off your order. And we want to thank Fansets for sponsoring Deep Space Pride and the Truck Geeks Podcast Network. Thank you, Fansets. Cool. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. You know, we would love to hear from all of our listeners, um, however many of you there are. So you can reach us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Deep Space Pride. And you can also email us at dspacepride at gmail.com. There we go. Cool. Our first episode of 2022 is in the can. Yes. 2022. Will we have have 52 weeks of Star Trek this year? TBD. That's That's what it looks like. So we will see. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you guys all soon. Yeah, thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. And happy happy New Year. Happy 2022. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Happy 2022. We'll see you next week. Bye. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.